0: the top five ultralight backpacking fails. The Summit Gear Review will feature Green Trail's waterproof, tear-resistant maps. The Backpack Hack of the Week will show you a simple way to prevent the transmission of disease. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, American historian, Wallace Stegner. All this and that's about it today on The First 40 Miles. So Josh, did you know that an average dog's sense of smell is 100 times better than a human's?
1: No, I I know they use them in airports to sniff luggage, but that's incredible.
0: Well, a bloodhound has a sense of smell that's 300 times better. Wow. And then a bear's sense of smell is seven times better than a bloodhound. So if you do the math, That's 2,100 times better than a human's sense of smell.
1: But did you know that a woman's sense of smell is 50% better than a man's?
0: Incredible. Yeah. (laughs) So mice, rats, chipmunks, raccoons, and other animals on the trail have extremely keen senses of smell. So what are you doing to protect your food on the trail? If you think of the foods the animals are naturally attracted to, it's the exact same stuff that you're packing on the trail. Nuts, seeds, peanut butter, dried fruit, and of course bacon. And it's all highly scented.
1: Yeah. It's all that high calorie food. I mean, the the animals love it.
0: Well, animals will gnaw through your pack just to get at that food that you're keeping in there. So how do you protect your gear? from animals chewing through it.
1: One way you can do it is to make sure that your food does not stay in your pack overnight. And especially that it does not stay in your tent with you. So you can take the food out, uh, tie it up on a line between trees, uh, something to keep it away from the animals. At least if they do get to it, they haven't destroyed your gear at the same time.
0: Okay, it sounds like you're speaking from personal experience here.
1: (laughs) I am. When I was uh, growing up as a Boy Scout, uh, I was just using my parents' leftover gear for a few years, and then I finally had the opportunity to buy my own pack. And this was top of the line, large, high capacity, uh, deluxe pack. Back in the external frame days, I mean, this thing was, I, I was really excited about this pack. Very early on, probably within the first few months of owning the pack, it got a hole in it. And it got that hole because I left some trail mix in one of the outside pouches overnight on a campout. Some rodent came along, chewed right through the bottom corner of that pouch and got to the trail mix. So I owned that pack for many years and it always had that little hole in the bottom of the <laughs> bottom corner of that outside pouch. I wish I had learned a little bit earlier that I should have taken the food out of my pack at night and put it somewhere else uh, safer. That was a, a constant reminder to me, as long as I owned that pack, that it was important for me to take the food out every night.
0: You know, I, I guess rodents can't unzip zippers.
1: No, and and na- they're naturally good at everything with their teeth. And so that's going to be their first route of entry, is to just use their teeth and go right, right through the fabric.
0: Well, you know, there's one thing they can't chew through. Steel mesh. Their teeth can't handle the metal. And there are bags that are created especially for keeping food protected from rodents. These products are the rat sack, the out sack, the grub pack, and the food sack. Those are all brand names. They all create a product that is basically a steel mesh bag that rodents can't chew through.
1: Well, that's a great idea to have one of those bags. I, I think either if you can get it tied up between trees in a, in a way that animals can't get to it, Or if that's not an option, then yeah, get one of these steel mesh bags uh, so that you can protect your food from those rodents. What about bears? Does that work for them?
0: You know what? It doesn't work for bears, but bears are a whole nother kettle of fish. In bear country, it's a little more regulated, and so you'll need to find out exactly which containers are approved for the area that you'll be hiking in. And if you happen to bring an unapproved bear canister to store your food in, you may face a hefty fine on the trail.
1: Well, that's good to know. So check the rules, uh, depending on where you're going.
0: In bear country, keep your food far away from your tent. And depending on where you're going, they may have rules for how far away that needs to be. Well, if you're trying to lighten your load, it may be tempting to try out some ridiculous ideas that are floating around out there on the backpacking forums. Well, fortunately, we're here to spare you some of the trouble of having to learn the hard way. There are a few things that you should not go ultralight on while you're backpacking.
1: And we're calling these the top five ultralight backpacking fails.
0: The number one ultralight backpacking fail is the ultralight sleeping pad made with bubble wrap packing bubbles. Now, when I saw this online, I thought, oh, that's brilliant. It just weighs... It weighs merely ounces. The more I kind of researched it and read what people had said, uh, found out that it's not for multi-day trips. It can be easily punctured. Since bubble wrap is made of little tiny bubbles, or, you know, the bigger bubbles, it can't be refilled or repaired once those little bubbles are deflated. It's not actually that sturdy. Probably not a good idea. I don't know what the R factor is on those bubbles, but... (laughs)
1: I'm not sure. The R factor might be okay, um, maybe. But I remember when you first heard about it or first read about using bubble wrap as a sleeping pad, and I kind of laughed. <laughs> and and then I said, okay, before you try that out <laughs> on the trail, try it right here in our home. I, I challenge you to get some <laughs> bubble wrap and to lay yourself down on that bubble wrap without popping it, and it, it's just not possible.
0: <laughs> nope. So I'm just wondering if any of our listeners have actually tried this at home or on the trail.
1: I hope they tried it at home. That would have prevented them from taking it on the trail. That's
0: right, try everything at home first. The number two ultralight backpacking fail is a dollar store poncho. Now the trouble with this is that it snags on everything it is not quite heavy enough to be reusable and if the wind picks up you're gonna have a poncho uh, flying around your face you know it weighs only 1.5 ounces but really it's not worth the weight
1: i think everyone probably has some rain gear fail stories i certainly do last spring our uh Our son was a brand new Boy Scout, and we were preparing to go on a campout. The forecast called for rain, but we were just doing some last-minute preparations to get ready. So we went to the local supermarket, hoping that we could find something for rain gear. And we did. For me, we found a raincoat that I thought I would try. For him, we just couldn't find anything in his size, so we picked up one of those cheap plastic single-use ponchos. It sort of covered him. He's not a big kid, but it didn't really cover much. And it wore out so fast. I I mean, he he wore it, it was raining, and I don't think it even lasted that first day of the camp out. It was just so thin that it was so easy to tear. Now, my raincoat really didn't fare much better, actually. (laughs) Even though it was brand new, It wasn't waterproof enough to keep out the rain, and what's more, uh, once it did get wet, it took forever to dry. So it could rain for a few minutes, get my coat wet, and then my coat would stay wet for hours even after it stopped raining. If you're going to be where there's a high likelihood of rain, I think this is one area where even though the high-end rain gear is expensive, it's probably worth the investment to, to get the right stuff.
0: Yeah, we actually reviewed a piece of rain gear that wasn't going to break the bank. It was just under $20, so maybe we can uh, remind our listeners of that. It was the Frog Togs rain gear, and we'll be doing a Frog Togs Revisited in a future episode, so you can see how it was actually when our whole family used it on the trail. The number three ultralight backpacking fail is eating uncooked ramen noodles on the trail. Now, I understand that some people want to go out on the trail stoveless. They don't want to bring the fuel and they don't want to bring the weight of the stove. And so they'll pack things like granola bars, dried fruit, beef jerky, things like that. But one of the, uh, I guess, most disappointing meals that a human could possibly eat would be uncooked ramen noodles. And there are tales of this on the internet in backpacking forums where People just are munching on this dried ramen along the trail, and I just can't imagine anything more uh, deflating than getting into camp and opening up a package of ramen and eating it dry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I wonder, do they sprinkle the seasoning onto the cake of... Dried ramen.
0: I don't even want to think about it.
1: (laughs) Well, I can certainly imagine some Boy Scouts doing this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, in a lot of ways, food acts as a morale booster, and it can really warm you up at the end of the day, and it gives you something to look forward to. But um, there's a lot of comfort and safety in bringing a a stove.
1: Yeah, I would say it's possible to go stoveless on a camp out, and uh, you can still bring some good food, though. Just bring stuff that's not meant to be cooked.
0: All right, the number four ultra light backpacking fail is no toilet paper. Well, not only is toilet paper just a basic comfort item, but it's so lightweight to begin with. Why bother leaving it at home? There's not even a guarantee that you'll find soft leaves on the trail. I am terrible at leaf identification, so I would be the one in camp that would find the poison oak, the poison ivy, or the poison sumac.
1: So... Does anyone actually not bring toilet paper?
0: Uh, You know what? I think some people believe in the leave no trace, use a leaf method.
1: Well, you're going to leave a trace anyway.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll cover that in a future show too. There are ways of leaving no trace. But anyway, there are some places where you're required to pack it out.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, either way, bring the toilet paper. Bring the toilet paper. (laughs) It's biodegradable Uh, really quickly biodegradable as well.
0: Not only is it just a basic comfort item but it's a multi-use item as well. You can use it for fire starting, first aid, earplugs, cleaning up odd messes like sap from your hands or anything that you just don't want to use your bandana for or your camp towel for. So bring the toilet paper. It's grams. Simply grams. The number five ultralight backpacking fail is rationed water. Now, some ultralight backpackers encourage people to carry just enough water until you get to the next water hole, but I'm not comfortable with that.
1: Me neither. Uh, Maybe the seasoned backpacker, the seasoned ultralight hiker has their route exactly planned out, and they've sent people ahead, and they know exactly where each watering hole will be, and they know that, that the quality will be good enough. It, but if you're just starting backpacking, don't expose yourself to that level of risk. One time we were hiking around Mount Hood. Now everyone knows there's plenty of water in Oregon. Mount Hood is covered with glaciers, and so every couple miles you're running into water. The problem is that depending on even the time of day, that water source may or may not be one that you want to use. The glacial runoff is highly silted. If you use your water filter with it, you'll quickly clog up the filter and and destroy it. And that can change just from morning to evening or based on whether it's sunny that day and there's more glacial runoff coming down. So we weren't guaranteed that we could stop at every one of those streams around Mount Hood. Many of them were these glacial torrents full of silt, not usable for uh, filtering for drinking water. Also, on a recent backpacking trip with our kids, we had made a plan for where we would stop for water. But it turned out that that particular day, it started raining, and it just kept on raining.
0: Oh, we could have just opened our water bottles right
1: there. <laughs> Maybe we should have done that and gathered an inch or two of water uh, from just from the rain. But you know, we just our plans changed, and we decided oh, it's it's going to be too much trouble to have the whole family stop moving, cool down while we try to pump some water. Well, luckily we had enough water with us. We had that extra supply. So we were able to skip that particular water break without any problems. We had the extra water with us.
0: Well, I know that for myself, I'd rather carry the extra weight of water and have the assurance of water than to cut it close with water. Absolutely. Here on the first 40 miles, we created the Summit Gear Review. It's the most comprehensive gear review system for backpacking gear. The Summit Gear Review gives you a 360 unbiased look at backpacking gear before it goes into your pack. Summit stands for structure, utility, mass, maintenance, investment, and trial. Today on the Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Green Trails Maps S Series. Structure, these maps are made of plastic And they're lightweight, they're waterproof, and they're tear-resistant maps, which is a huge step up from what Lewis and Clark brought with them on the trail. (laughs) Utility. I purchased the 462S Mount Hood Timberline Trail Map from Green Trails. It's scaled at 1 to 25,000. Now, can you explain a little bit what exactly that means, Josh?
1: Sure. What that means is that one inch on the map represents 25,000 inches in real life. Now, for one to 25,000, what that means is that one inch represents about a half mile in real life. So if you had a trail that was a mile long, on this map, it's going to be two inches long.
0: Great. Can you translate that into metric system for us?
1: You know, I actually can. Are
0: you serious? Yes.
1: One centimeter on the map would be 25,000 centimeters in real life. Excellent. (laughs) Which would be, uh, let's see, 250 meters. (laughs) And that's a quarter of a kilometer.
0: Such a data guy. Well, you know,
1: metric is a little easier than (laughs) than our uh, imperial units (laughs) for those conversions.
0: Well, that was impressive. Thank you. These maps are actually updated pretty frequently. I, I thought that maps were updated about once every 50 years, and maybe mm-hmm. there are some maps that are, but this map, um, its original issue was in 2006, and the current issue is 2013.
1: And for the hike that we were doing around the Timberline Trail around Mount Hood, uh, that was important because the trail has actually had a few changes of, of route in the past few years.
0: Oh yeah, and it's common for trails to change. I know, just recently the Appalachian Trail lengthened by a few miles. Mass, this map is 1.5 ounces and it's actually 40% lighter than paper maps. So you're gonna save, save a little bit of weight there. The map folds out to 18 by 24 inches and folds up to a comfortable six by nine inches. It fit perfectly into my outside pouch. I guess if you wanted to fold it up One more time you could even fit it into the cargo pants pocket on your hiking pants. For maintenance, all you need to do is wipe it with a damp rag. Investment. You'll pay about $14 for this map and a typical paper green trails map will run about $8. But I felt like this map was going to outlast all paper maps. It was just a really high quality map. Even after multiple folds, really being roughed up in my pack. It wasn't creased and dog-eared like a paper map would be.
1: Even though it's nearly twice the cost, you're probably going to get more than twice the life out of this map. The paper maps are also a real pain in in a wet environment. You've got it inside of a a plastic bag sealed in there. You try to take it out, unfold it, quickly look at it without getting it wet and then fold it back up and get it back inside that bag. It's pretty tough to do. It was nice that this map could be brought out at any time and and we didn't have to worry about the weather.
0: Trial. Now, I'm a little bit of a compulsive label peeler. So the first thing I did when I got home was I tried to peel off those labels on the front of the map that said, lightweight, waterproof, tear resistant. As I peeled those, of course, it left a sticky residue underneath it. So I got out some essential oil and I started to uh, kind of take the sticky residue off. Well, as I did that, it started to remove some of the text underneath. So I stopped and I thought, I'll just use something else. I grabbed another solvent and I started to take it off and that made it even worse. So don't use solvents to clean the map just a damp rag and leave the stickers on. I loved this map. It was super light. It was so durable. It really took a beating on our trip and it didn't get torn. It didn't get wear marks and it didn't get creased up or dog-eared. I just stored it in the outer pocket of my pack so it was always easily accessible. The map had really great details on it. If you're new to maps, do what your second or third grade teacher said and check the legend first because I was astonished at how much information was on the map after I looked at the legend. It was really great information. So this is not just a a truck stop map. This is a very detailed hiking map that will give you all the information you need on the trail.
1: One thing we noticed is that the map actually had a misspelling for one of the locations. Uh, It's called Ramona Falls. It's a beautiful spot. The map had spelled it so that it was Romona Falls. So we wonder if this was intentional. Map makers will actually introduce intentional errors sometimes in their maps. They're called copyright traps. Uh, Another phrase that's used is, is trap streets. It's a fictional street that's added to a map. And then if anyone else directly copies that map, then the original uh, producer of the map can very clearly point out, hey, why did you include that feature on your map? That feature doesn't exist. You must have included it because you copied our map. (laughs) So I don't know if, if it was a typo Or if that was the intent behind the Romona Falls (laughs) spelling.
0: I guess we'll always wonder. Yeah. (laughs) Well, one of the fun things that I did to the map when I got it was I marked it up using washi tape from a craft store. And we talked a few episodes ago about all of the different things that you can find in surprising places for backpacking. And so this washi tape from the craft store actually had little arrows on it. So I marked each of our night's and each of our stops on the map with these little arrow washi tapes. The washi tape was nice because it laid flat, it was easy to peel off, and you could actually reposition it, and I did that a few times because our route changed a few Mm -hmm. times.
1: That was really handy because we knew where we were staying each night without having drawn on the map or, you know, something permanent. Uh, But for that particular trip, we had each of the campsites uh, labeled with those little peel-off tags.
0: Well, maps are famous for blowing away. So in the future, I may even add a small little eyelet or grommet from the craft store to the edge of the map just to keep it tethered to my pack.
1: That's a great idea. In fact, in episode four, we talked about the top five ways to avoid losing your gear. It's important to keep it um, attached.
0: Yeah, and I would hate to lose that map.
1: The map that you carried, this uh, green trails map was definitely the most used version of the map on that trip that we took a few months ago. There were, what, eight of us on the trip, I think, and, and yours was the one that everyone referred to. It, it had that better scaling where there was more detail. Uh, plus, on the back of the map, I, I really loved it, that it had the elevation map. Or an elevation chart, so it showed the entire forty miles of the trail, and and showed an elevation graph as as you went along the trail. So you knew where your high spots and low spots would be, where your tough climbs would be, or you know where those uh, killer downhill <laughs> <laughs> stretches would be. Uh, that was really helpful. So it it was really a great map to have on that hike.
0: Well, today's backpack hack of the week is. DIY hand sanitizer. And in episode seven, we talked about the benefits of bringing a small bottle of isopropyl alcohol on the trail. So all you'll need is a one ounce flip top bottle or a one ounce spray bottle. And then you'll need a bottle of 70% rubbing alcohol. Ironically, a 70% concentration of rubbing alcohol actually kills germs better than 90% because the water lets the rubbing alcohol into the bacterial cells more completely for that germicidal effect. And one of the benefits of creating your own hand sanitizer is that it's unscented. And so many of the hand sanitizers out there are scented, which can be a problem on the trail if you're trying to keep critters from chewing into your pack.
1: Yeah, that bear that has the 2100 times better sense of smell is going to smell that scented hand sanitizer. But if you make your own with just rubbing alcohol with no scent, then you avoid that problem.
0: All you'll need is a few drops on your hands and then just rub it in and you're good to go.
1: So there you go. That was the simplest hack ever. Just take a one ounce bottle and fill it with some isopropyl alcohol and you now have hand sanitizer to take backpacking.
0: We'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, the American historian, Wallace Stegner.
1: He said, something will have gone out of us as a people if we ever let the remaining wilderness be destroyed. We simply need that wild country available to us, even if we never do more than drive to its edge and look in.
0: That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. See you next time on the first 40 miles.